Welcome to Between the Fur. I'm Ken, and as a professional mascot, I need professional costumes, right? People always ask me, who makes your costumes? I tell them Alinko Costumes in Salt Lake City. Alinko makes just about everything for me, and they do an amazing job. Alinko not only builds costumes, they have a design service that's free, and they also service their costumes as well. However, now the largest and oldest costume company in the U.S. just turned it up a notch by bringing on my friend, John Absey, formerly the Jazz Bear, to help with product development, processes, sales, and quality control. Hey, if you need a costume done right from the very start, don't waste time or money. Call Alinko. That's spelled A-L-I-N-C-O and get it done right. As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, coming in. Yeah. Trey, thanks for uh, coming on, man. I appreciate yeah, you being on me. here. Yeah, right on. Yeah, welcome to the studios of Between the Fur. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. I like the backdrop. That's cool. Ah, thanks, man. Yeah. Feels so good. I lean back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, welcome, welcome. I appreciate you coming on here and taking your taking time out of your day. How's the quarantine thing going? Yeah, everything's uh, you know as good as can be. Uh, our kiddos are going through e-learning right now, so we're trying to balance that. My wife is a second grade teacher, so she's trying to balance helping our kids learn uh, with e-learning, but also come up with uh, just the right process to help her students as well. So uh, it's been a lot. And then personally with blue, you know, social distancing is the exact opposite of what a mascot does. We try to drive people closer and we're high-fiving and hugging and make people laugh. So uh, my organization really challenged me on how to, you know, create content and continue to connect with people. So we actually set up our garage. We kicked the cars outside to the driveway and we are working on, we've got five different backdrops in the garage right now. So we're doing a new, uh, a new series called The House of Blue. And oh, my I love wa- it. Yeah, my wife is uh, hosting with Blue. Uh, like I said, she's a teacher, but she was also a uh, former cheerleader for the Colts. That's how we met. So she's used to being in the spotlight and performing. And then uh, we're just tr- really trying to come up with like fun, inventive ways to get people engaged and get them laughing and smiling. Um, our, our whole family is involved. Our dog, Luna, does the joke of the day. So we <laughs> edit her mouth moving and she tells a joke. And then uh, our kids also are in the show. They have their own segment called The Kids Table. And they write all the bits and we film it and produce it. And they're a part of the show as well. And they're Uh, the crowd favorite so far. So we filmed four episodes and we're going to film the fifth today and uh, post it tomorrow. So. Oh, that's awesome. And a lot of work too, I'm sure. And this is, (laughs) this is all through the, the Colts then. Yes. Well, it it is. I'm a full-time employee of the Colts, but I'm kind of doing everything from home. So I, uh, we, as a family creatively, we have creative meetings as an entire family, our four-year-old, just turned seven year old, my wife, myself and our dog. Uh, and then we, uh, we just come up with bits and we write them all down and then we script it all out and I'm kind of directing and also producing. So I'm editing the show together and filming and bought a bunch of lights and uh, tripods and all sorts of weird random stuff that I kind of knew a little bit about, but I'm having to become an expert pretty quickly. I'll tell you what, technically, and I hate to admit this, but it's a good thing that I have my youngest son right. at home. I, <laughs> I had him off at college and running a business for me for years, but right. uh, for about three years. And then he, uh, I sold that business. He came home. So thankful he did because he's yeah. so up on the technology and social media and, and everything that he just, gosh, it's just so quick for him. Pop, 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 pop. Yeah. yeah, there you go. 
there you go. And he'll edit stuff. I mean, he's, right. he's doing stuff right now for me on another business that I have. And he's, I mean, in fact, that's what, that's why we were, uh, paused for a little bit. That's why we pushed this meeting back a little bit so that he yeah. could finish up and edit for me. So crazy, um, crazy. And I'm also putting yeah. out stuff for, uh, for our team as well. And okay, cool. Yeah. And it's a lot of work, but it's a lot it of is. fun too, actually. It is. It's kind of, it's kind of working my brain in a different way. Yeah. I, I feel it. like, yeah. I feel like we're being forced into, you know, we have all of these, um, all these things working against us and we're forced to work at home with the things around us. And I actually think it's an opportunity for our creativity to grow even more. Absolutely. Um, anytime, anytime that you um, put those type of, you know, restraints down on somebody um, it's an opportunity to grow and challenge yourself. And that's what we're trying to do as a family. So. Yeah. And what a great opportunity for your whole family to get involved. Yeah. It's Man. a lot of fun. Uh, they're little stars. I have always said, here comes uh, our daughter, Tegan. Uh, can you say hi? Tegan, what's up, hi? girl? She can't, she can't hear you, but he said, <laughs> he said, what's up, girl? Are you, do you like doing the House of Blue with Daddy and Mommy and Gunner? You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to do this uh, podcast. Is that cool? When you're done doing this, yeah. can you swing me? Can I swing you? Of course, love. That looks good, whatever she's eating. Right. I hope she brought enough you, for everyone. You having an apple? It smells like an apple. Mm-hmm. All right, I love you. <laughs> can you say Can you say bye bye to my friend? I got two. You got two apples. Can you say bye bye to my friend? Bye bye. You're just gonna hang out here. Mm-hmm. Okay, you hang out here. <laughs> you know, so, no, it's a, it's a lot of fun doing it as a family. It's been cool. Yeah, what a special opportunity, man. You know, I, so I want to tell everybody that this is a kind of an interesting opportunity to to actually speak to somebody and record their face as well yeah that is a current professional mascot so trey plays the character blue for the colts and it's amazing that uh, we have this opportunity this doesn't happen all the time how is it tell us trey how is it that you get to you get to be on here or you feel comfortable or your team feels comfortable or whatever how can we do this yeah, so I had a pretty traditional kind of upbringing in the mascot world. I went to Auburn University, didn't want to be a mascot, but fell in love with the mascot there and tried out um, and then got kind of recruited into the NFL by the Atlanta Falcons uh, with their current mascot. I was going to kind of shadow him and then take over that program and then went to the Buffalo Bills and then eventually came to the Colts in 2006. So um, I've always tried to, you know, we're an industry where mascots don't really uh, like rules, we are rule breakers, um, and really trying to find that space to to go right up to the line, and sometimes kind of tiptoe that line, but also sometimes just hurl our bodies over that line um, for other people's entertainment. And I've always tried to push the limits with our character and our program with the Colts, and we do a lot of um, things that would be outside the scope of a normal mascot program. Um, one of those is I've kind of stepped out from. Uh, behind the suit and been a little bit more public facing. Um, we have a high school show where I actually take off my mask and ask students to stop hiding behind their masks. Um, so I've done a lot of stuff kind of, uh, I get to kind of mostly be Clark Kent um, and then turn into to Superman as it were as blue. But uh, sometimes I get to make appearances as Clark Kent too. That's amazing. Okay. So you were, you were Abby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they have a great program there. I know they have a great program there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they really put, they put a lot into that. Where other colleges, not so much, or, you know, some are halfway. These guys are all in. So that probably set the stage for you, I don't know, to, to get more serious about mascotting. Yeah, how for did, sure. Yeah, how, tell me about that. Yeah, so I didn't even know, I wasn't really in, even interested in mascots. And then I met Albie. Um, and then I didn't know I was having such a great time with it, but you can only do it for two years at Auburn. And then I find out that there's this whole other world afterwards that you can be a professional mask. And I was like, what in the world does that look like? Because as a student, there's three of you as all be, and you're also balancing your school schedule and there's a lot to it, but then you're hearing, okay, just one person handles a full-time role typically. So I was very intrigued about that. I definitely 
believe that Aubie was my foot in the door with every single interview. They hear that you're part of the Aubie program. They immediately perk up and are interested. Um, and then I think just everything I've learned along the way from the Aubie program, but also with Trey Humphreys, who was with the Atlanta Falcons, I got to spend a year with him and he, how he sees the world uh, through his own lens, but also through the lens of a mascot is incredible. And the, the physicality to his humor, um, especially something that I didn't realize that sometimes, because you're told as a mascot, you have to have big movements and always move, but sometimes he would be, he would pick his moments to be completely still. And it was even louder than having huge moments or movements. So it was, it's interesting. I've, I've picked up a little bit as I've gone along from all the performers that I've met. Um, I'm still like to consider myself as a performer who's growing and a person who's growing uh, to try to get better. Uh, but definitely I'll be, got my foot in the door with all these programs for sure. I'll tell you though, in the past like decade, decade and a half, there's a lot of college programs that are on the way up right now with just extraordinary programs. So we've been, we started an internship three years ago where we take a college mascot who's graduating and they get to hang out with us for a year and learn the business of being a professional mascot in hopes that they end up getting a pro job after the year with us. So that's been a really cool program and something that I've learned a lot from as well. Way to give back. That's a great way to give back. Well, I mean, so many people have. I mean, yeah. I remember when I first quote unquote went pro, uh, looking at videos of all sorts of performers and going, oh man, look how many unbelievable performers there are and how they all do it a little bit differently. And I think that's what I love so much about the professional mascot world is that, you know, you could give five different mascots, the same props and the same music, and we're all going to do something different with it. And I just think there's magic in that. Um, I mean, I remember watching videos of you and just being in awe, like your highlight tapes and just what you do. So um, I feel like there were so many people that came before me and helped me out, whether they knew it or not. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's our obligation to do that for others. Yeah. Well, I've been very fortunate to have some come through my doors and, and, and out. And uh, it's interesting as, as I have, I guess, you know, mentored or, or whatever these, these, these guys, these performers, uh, and they've gone on to uh, professional uh, teams and everything. It's, it's interesting how they take some of what I do Right. But then they, they develop it right on into, the, they take it in and they make it their own. And all of a sudden, you know, they are, they're, they're pros. Yeah. And uh, it's cool. To, it's cool to watch. It is. It is. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's been cool to see in my son, you know. Um, That's so, right. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's gone on to uh, the Pistons and uh, j he's starting to make it his own. And it's kind of fun to watch, especially. What is that? What is that yeah. like? I, our son is seven. Our daughter's four. I can't imagine one of them one day being in, an NFL mascot <laughs> and me also being in the NFL. And what is that like for you? It's, it's pretty surreal. I mean, when he was in college, I actually was invited to go and do a game with him. And, and uh, it was weird. We were about to rappel in together. And uh, I look over at him. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is just yeah. crazy. What is happening? You know, so I was trying to soak it in at that point. And now right. to have him on, you know, an NBA court with me is just, I mean, first of all, it's the ultimate compliment, I guess. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. but at the same time, it's uh, also uh, just the proud father puffing his chest up and wanting to just sit and watch too, because, yeah. you know, I end up, Sitting and watching, sitting and watching him. In fact, I remember uh, this year we actually uh, we actually did a dance together at his birthday, and I couldn't help but keep my you know I kept looking at him while I was while I was dancing right. and stuff. It was kind of throwing me off because I just yeah. wanted to watch. So I don't know. It's it's, it's just too cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, so you know. Tell me what it's like, you know, I've only had a couple NFL guys on here mm -hmm. and uh, I always am intrigued at how different the NFL guys uh, 
you know, run their day and everything, but walk me through your day as the Colts mascot. On a, yeah, uh, sorry, so, game day. Game oh, day. Oh, on a game day. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, so first of all, we were the first mascot program in the NFL to have two full-time staff members. So Caroline is the mascot program coordinator. So she runs all the logistics, um, day-to-day stuff for us, make sure that our calendar's right. I know where I'm going. Um, but she does a lot more than that as well. So on game days, we have about 14 people that show up to my locker room and they're blue crew. So they're involved with all the promotions that we do. We do a, f- we do a lot more promotions in the NFL as blue than other mascots do for teams in the NFL. So I think some of the guys are probably in like two or three promotions. We're in eight promotions throughout the game. Wow. So that are all, they're all just on the mascots, uh, shoulders, mascot program shoulders. So, uh, I get there. They put probably, a lot of stock in you, man. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's been, um, first of all, the reason that we have a mascot program to begin with in 2006, uh, the Ursay family, uh, our owners decided that they really wanted to pour, uh, even more into the community. I mean, I've always said that we have the greatest owner in sports, Mr. Ursay, his love and dedication to the community. That's why blue exists. They saw an opportunity and something that was uh, potentially missing in a mascot and decided that they were going to hire somebody. Luckily that was me. And I got to create the character that was, I mean, day one, it was like, all right, what do you want this to be? Which is crazy because nowadays that's, you don't really see that a whole lot. Nowadays when a Not team anymore. like the Atlanta, like the Atlanta Braves, they created their uh, character blooper, but they created it before they hired somebody. So it was very unique to be kind of in the driver's seat from the, from the very beginning. Um, so yeah, so they do put a lot of stock in uh, blue in our program, but it's, you know, a lot of that has been earned by uh, myself and the rest of my team over the years. And um, you know, they've given me uh, enough of a, of a leash to go out and be dangerous. Uh, and I've only been tugged on that leash a couple of times uh, not to do things or uh, you know how it is. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, we tiptoe that line, but um, yeah, it's been amazing. I also realized pretty quickly that, you know, a huge driver is, you know, it's a business where the, the NFL teams, just like any business are trying to make money and there's TV deals and there's ticket deals and there's other partnerships uh, that, that happen. And I realized quickly that if I wanted um, to really be in the spotlight, I needed to cultivate something that was uh, exceptional enough to have somebody want to partner in that. So for instance, we do this football toss during the games. It's uh, sponsored by Legion and there's this four foot barrel that's on the field and I'm up in the 400 level and I have 30 seconds to throw footballs. And if I can make one of those footballs into that barrel, the season ticket member who we select randomly that day wins two round trip tickets on the Legion airlines. And everybody thought I was crazy. I wanted to do it as a skit like four years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to do it as a promotion four years ago. And our legal team was like, ah, we don't feel comfortable with you throwing footballs over like other people's heads, like season ticket members. And I showed them a video that I could do. And they're like, nah, we don't want to do it as a promotion. So I snuck it in as my skit, my last skit of the year. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody about it. And <laughs> afterwards ownership came to us and they were like, we loved it. It has to be a promotion. So we kind of snuck it in there. That's one of those times where I, I hurled my body past the line. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been crazy. The first year, um, this was the third year, and I actually went nine for nine. Uh, we have 10 games. So I was nine out, of t- nine out of nine. And then going into the last game, I was throwing for 10 people. It was crazy, the oh amount of pressure. Because we didn't do well this season. Uh, we missed the playoffs. And, I mean, we did well, but we, just, we missed the playoffs. So this last game, you know, there's a lot of hype around this promotion so uh it's funny too because a lot of people are talking to me talking to me about it and then some people were treating it like they treated pitchers throwing a no hitter like don't talk to them about it just leave them alone and i went out there and there was an injury timeout and i was sitting up there for like 20 minutes waiting for this promotion to hit and i threw and i lipped the thing three times but i didn't make it in so i was nine for ten this year so it was crushing because we had such a perfect year with the mascot program for the Colts. Um, we got mas- NFL mascot of the year. We got inducted into, well, we got selected to be inducted into the hall of fame this June. Um, and then that, and just everything else we've done, it's been, uh, it's been cool. But 
uh, didn't really answer your question uh, all that well. But yeah, we do eight promotions throughout the game and uh, get there around. Okay, wait, 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 o'clock. wait. Let me let me back up and just you know, yeah. address this whole. First of all, anyone listening, that right there, you sneaking that in as a skit. Yeah, <laughs> I've been there, done that. I'm yeah. telling you, that is brilliant, and that is where you know that's what sets guys like you apart in the mascot world. You know, hey, a lot of us don't like no, so we scream and kick our feet and everything like that. Right, right. Or we figure out, you know, how to how to just show them how to show them mm-hmm. live. You know, and I love the fact that you thought. I can do this. Like I can yeah. do this during a game. We can do it as a promotion. It it's a huge chance. Yeah. And if I win, if I make it, I win. Yep. If if I if you know, even if you didn't make it. Right. Say you didn't make it. I mean, just the fact that you tried that, the visual on that has got to be amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. In fact, we paint it to their their actual footballs. And we, we tested it out and you couldn't really see because it's that brown leather. So mm-hmm. we actually painted the footballs yellow. So it, it really, you can really see these balls from anywhere in the stadium. And it's crazy. It was about the third or fourth game we did this, that people got so used to the timing of it and so used to this promotion because that blue crew, they pull out this huge 20 by 20 foot tarp, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a huge target. And then when the, when the barrel rolls on, that's the bullseye. So when they see my blue crew, they see this, everybody pulling this tarp out, they know immediately. Everyone gets to their feet and everyone turns around and looks up to blue. And it's the only promotion throughout our entire game that has that much crowd engagement. It's funny, um, this past year, there's an NFL call every week and it's with the league office and other teams and they're talking about game day and we go around and audit each other just like they do in the NBA. And somebody from the, from, well, I probably shouldn't say, eh, it's fine. Somebody from the Chargers uh, audited our game. And, you know, it got to the point in the meeting where it was like, hey, is there anything that someone didn't like? And someone from that organization said, hey, you know, we audited the Colts game and um, there was that promotion where, where the mascot just is hurling balls uh-huh. off the, and it's super dangerous because he could hit one of the, the, the seat holders below. But I mean, he made it, but I mean, that's pretty lucky. And one of our executives hopped on the call and and introduced himself and said, hey, just so you know, and I think that was the eighth game. He was like, just so you know, he's eight for eight. And that's one of our favorite promotions. And he was like, yeah, it was amazing. And I guess that changes my mind. Yeah, keep going, keep doing it. And it got voted um, as our favorite promotion from our fans. Um, And it just goes to show you, like you said, when we, we don't like to hear no. I don't think anybody likes to hear no when they come up with something and right. they want to try to, to execute it. I always see it as this, this wall. Not that, you know, when, you, when you're trying to do anything logistically like that where you're throwing footballs over someone's head, there are logistical issues with it. And I always kind of visualize it as like a four-foot brick wall. Like I can hop over that. But as other people decide, no, we don't want you to do it. It's like other layers of bricks get added. It makes it more complicated. And I always see it as I just take a further step back and decide, okay, I can't just scale this wall anymore. I have to reapproach this and figure out how to get over or around or underneath this wall to the other side. And it's just a, a mindset of trying to, to take that approach. Um, you know, my favorite quote ever is Steve Prefontaine, the runner from Oregon. He said, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gifts, your gifts. And I feel like God has given so all of us so many gifts. And it's just not in me to waste those gifts. I mean, are you kidding me? I get paid to be a, a big kid. I get to dress up and I pretend stuffed animal Paid costume. to play. And Yeah, and it's crazy. And I see a lot of other uh performers who get it they totally get it but then you see some performers that they just don't get it yet and you know we can't all be mascots for the rest of our lives i wish i wish we could unless you're dan mears um that guy's (laughs) that guy's probably gonna outlast all of us Um, but um 
but yeah, I just, I don't want to waste the opportunity that's given to me. And I tell my kids that all the time. Like I, we just had this conversation the other day with our son. I will never ask him to be perfect. It's okay not to win. It's okay as long as you try your best. And I, I told him that quote and I said, look, God has given you unbelievable talents, unbelievable, unbelievable gifts. All I want you to do is try your best and I'll always be proud of you. And if you try your best with those gifts, you cultivate those gifts, you can do anything. And I firmly believe that. And that's why we're putting on this show, the house of blue, because, you know, I could just be saying, I'm going to help my kids with e-learning and I'm going to do a couple Instagram posts with blue, but I can't do anything because I can't do any appearances anymore. And I just, I refuse to back down and just be okay with that. So, and I've always said this. When people ask me like, well, your school shows, like how many do you do and how much money do you guys put into it? And you spend $10,000 in fuel traveling across the state. That's crazy. And people always want to put analytics and, and quantify things about like, you know, is this getting ROI? Is this making an impact? Um, I will tell you this with this show, with all of our shows, if I do a thousand shows and just one person sees that one of the shows and makes a decision to better their life or to better someone else's life because of that show, then all 1000 shows were successful to find out one person. And that's how I take our school shows. And that's how I'm taking this show. That's how I'm taking every opportunity that I have before me. Um, you know, we all are taught like, you know, be big for 62,000 people. But I mean, I'm trying to make it like close and personal for that one person. Cause if you can make one person feel something, then you've won. If you can make one person forget that there's a person in that suit, but just see the character, make them giggle. You've won and you've made their day better. And I mean, there's no better job than that. No better job than that. And I love your approach to it. I mean, honestly, that's what, uh, that's what, I don't know, you can feel from your character. And I'm sure your fans feel that from you. The kids feel that from you, your school programs. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that comes through, you know, you can feel that coming from somebody. And, and I, I, you have a very good way of putting that, you know, into words. Um, you know, I've, uh, one of my, uh, one of my sayings, and I've, I'm trying to tell my boys this for me, it's, uh, you know, when you, when you think, gosh, you know, what if I miss or what if I, you know, like if you miss that target, what if, you know, what's going to happen then? If you think that, if you have that kind of mentality, you might as well, might as well stop now. You might as well go get a, just a nine to five job Mm -hmm. because um, it's the, what if I make it attitude? What if I can do that? What if I accomplish that? What if I do win? You know, what does that mean? And I never go into a stunt thinking, okay, what happens when I miss? What happens when, you know, this goes south? Right. I, I do have to in, in, in certain ways and, you know, in certain situations. But when I've got a 30-foot ladder out there and, you know, I'm standing on, I'm climbing up to, you know, shoot a shot from half court, there's no way I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to yeah. miss this, you know? Right. I. I'm climbing up there going, okay, now when this goes in, what's my reaction going to be? Exactly. You know? And so even this year, even this year, um, you know, I've done this half court shot thing and I've been up on the ladder and we've done it all kinds of different waves and we scooted scooted it back and I've baseballed it and things like that. Well, this year we decided, oh, I guess I, I, I brought it up. I said, hey, you know, to do this different, Everybody wants something different and you got to take it to the next level. How do I take right. a 30 foot ladder to the next level? Can't go much higher. Um, so decided, Hey, let's, let's go backwards. Let's shoot it backwards from that high. And there was not one second when I was like, you know, yeah, this could really go South. I was nervous. Right. I was super yeah. nervous about it. And I'm sure you were with 10 people standing there. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you got to make this. The pressure is, you know, intense. And I've missed, uh, I've missed some big shots like that. But yeah, you know, it, it's. I know, I know organizations out there, teams out there that hold their mascot back, 
yeah in the you know in that thinking where you know they'll say hey well no you're not gonna do that what if you miss you know yeah. then you'll just look stupid yeah or we'll look yeah. stupid <clears throat> yeah like, <laughs> that's not that's not our, our organization at all i mean you know we want to you know think through things we don't want to just you know go out and do things um you know haphazardly and uh, not think of, you know, contingency plans and, you know, what's the impact on this and right. how far does that impact go? I mean, you want to be smart about it, but I think that's, that's Absolutely. part of that growing, right? You, you have all this creativity and, you know, if you can bring um, like a lot, like my pitch for that was what's the most, per, what's the most popular thing on YouTube at the time. And it was dude. Perfect. I'm like, this is basically bringing dude. Perfect to our stadium. And what if I do make it? How amazing would that be? And then I started making it. And then people started saying, like, that's my favorite part of the game. And then two years ago, I decided, or actually last February, I was like, you know what? We do this one trick shot during the game. We should do trick shots every Thursday. And I walked into our office one day. And I was like, hey, we're doing trick shots every Thursday. And our intern and uh, Caroline were like, okay. And I was like, it's Thursday. So pull out that jar I'm gonna sit here and toss highlighters until I make it into the jar and we started doing that and then we started getting bigger and doing other trick shots and we've had some really really popular trick shots go viral and then Indiana donor wanted to come on and partner because of that they're like we love that we love what you do we love blues message and my point is every single time you take a shot yeah there's a level of uncertainty about it but every single time you try, your brand grows bigger. The, the lore of the character or the business grows bigger and people know you for something else. You know, I don't ever want to be just for kids. Like, I think people have this like narrow Same. scope of a mascot and it's like, oh, mascots are for kids. Mascots are for the kid and every single person. And if Absolutely. you go see, I call it the Pixar effect and so many other people do. If you go see a movie, you go see Toy Story 4. And adults are, are laughing, kids are laughing, and they're laughing at different parts, but they're also laughing at the same part. And when you get that magic, that's what I'm trying to bring every single time to the suit. I'm trying to give enough material out there for every single person, no matter your age, um, your race, your background, uh, what, your, what your day is like. Like I'm trying to make everybody smile somehow, some way. Hey, I want to pause here and tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Alinko Costumes. Alinko is family-owned and operated. Their first pro costume was the San Diego Chicken. <laughs> and their first NBA costume was the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. Alinko's history dates back 100 years, and now they make over 1,000 mascots a year, including high school, college, corporate, and pro teams. Needless to say, they know their stuff. They also stand by their work with the best warranty in the business. I swear I've called Jill at all times of the day, and she always answers. Alinko has earned my business, so I recommend you go where the pros go, alinkocostumes.com. Now, back to this episode. Because a mascot transcends every, just every person. Mm -hmm. Can touch the child in everyone because everyone yeah. has a child in them. Absolutely. No matter what, what their age. Right. Yeah. Well. I think, I think we forget that too. And I think mascots are that, one of those magical things that can bring that out. Even if we've forgotten about that ourselves. Um, right. Just gets you, makes you lost the kid inside you just you just get lost in it so there's a lot of healing with mascots as well mm -hmm. mascots yeah. can bring a lot of healing and i uh, you know not to get all philosophical and everything but um you know there's uh there's so much uh that hey there's a little guy what's happening <laughs> and can you say hi hi what's up <laughs> hey do you know that not only is my good friend a professional mascot, his son is a professional mascot. What do you tell people when I say, hey, Gunnar, do you want to be a professional mascot? Do you want to do dad's job one day? What do you say? Yeah. You say no. What do you want to be? Um, I'm just thinking on you. He normally says a basketball player. He wants uh. to play basketball. <laughs> well, if you hurry up, he could be the well, mascot for your basketball team. There you go. Actually, what I'm trying to do is uh, get to the point where my grandchild is a mascot at the same time as me. Uh, 
yeah, you need to you need to start drinking uh, a ton of milk like Dan Mears. Then get on that's that Dan right. Mears program. That's you guys right. got to be close to the same. Are you guys yeah. close to the same age? Yes, we started at the same time as well. Oh, did you? Same really? year. Yeah. Okay. So we're thirty okay. years in. Yeah. That's awesome. So. Okay. That what? Well, do you need to have some quiet time? No. Okay. Yeah. I love you. See, and people think there's not a real human in there. That, you know that that we don't go home to a family. Oh, right. We don't go home to bills. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they think yeah. that uh, there's there's uh, just some uh, unknown in there that uh, has no mm-hmm. responsibilities in life, but. You know, I want to switch gears a little bit. Mascots, uh, as I was saying before, bring a, a lot of healing. And, you know, we go to children's hospitals. We go to visit uh, kids all the time that are either underprivileged or have some kind of disability or yeah. are in, on, the, on the door of, of uh, even, you know, some critical illness. But in talking to you the other day, uh, when we talked about you coming on, yeah, uh, you told me about a special program that you uh, started and I want to I want to get right into that because I, I want to give that enough time on here because uh, I mean, I've been thinking about that ever since. I mean, the impact that just that conversation had on me was mm. was uh, something that I've actually shared with uh, friends and, and co-workers as well. Yeah, we started this a couple of years ago. You know, we wanted to go in and make an impact. Like we said, we're trying to make an impact for all ages and that like middle school, high school age, it's so critical. Um, you know, not only like intellectually, but emotionally, um, like, who are you? You're searching for that. And you're trying to like, learn, like trying to fit in, but also trying to like make your own way. So we started a show, started a show. Basically, uh, we bring in like $20,000 worth of AV to all of our schools. So we have screens, we have speakers, we have all this crazy backdrops and props. So we set that all up. And all these kids have seen it before because when I get introduced, you could just feel this wall. Like normally in elementary schools, like kids are just losing their minds. Ah! Oh my goodness, this is crazy. But in middle schools and high schools, they're like, yeah, bro, we've seen this before. What are you, what is he doing here? And then Caroline asks, how many of you have seen blue in elementary school? And all their hands go up. We're nearing this fall. We will have done 2000 school shows in the last 15 years. So I've seen all these kids, every nook and cranny of the state. I've seen them all. They know blue. So then she goes, all right, everybody put your hands down. Now raise your hand. If you think it's weird that blues at your school today. And I raise my hand immediately identifying with them. Look, I get it. I get that mascots aren't cool here. And then Caroline says, well, blue doesn't even know, but today we're going to go over the top four things a mascot should never do. And I'm immediately like, no, don't do this. This is bad. She starts off. Number four, never be mean to kids. And it's a video of me. And we, again, we have this huge projection screen. It's 10 by 14. So it's like being at a movie theater. It's me just pummeling kids on the peewee football field, um, <laughs> which, which I've seen you, by the way. I saw your karate kid bit on the football field, too. I think you were at uh, Miles' birthday, probably. Yep, yep. So, um, so, yeah, never be mean to kids. And the kids, you know, the students lose it. And then number three, never celebrate with opposing players. And it's me and OBJ dancing a Pro Bowl. And then number two, never speak in costume. And I grab her mic and I say, yeah, because it's really creepy. But I do it in a creepy voice. And all the kids are like, whoa, what's going on right now? Like, he's breaking all these rules. And then the number one thing that a mascot should never do, mascot should never take off their mask in front of people. And there's always this one kid who's like, do it, you won't. And then everybody starts to chime in. So I'm like, all right. So I start taking off my wide receiver gloves, untuck my neck, and then I start to slow clap. So the whole school is slow clapping. Take off the chin strap, pop pop off the head, and I have a Deadpool mask underneath. And all the kids are like, oh, man, come on. And then I dip behind the screen, and I start to take off the suit while they show a highlight video of blue. So I get into street clothes just like I'm dressed in today and get introduced as myself. And then I would tell everybody about my life as a mascot. You started at Auburn. Here's my journey. Here's when I started blue with Indianapolis Colts. I show pictures of blue's head being put together the very first time. I tell this crazy story about how I threw up in costume as Aubie in Auburn that everybody gets grossed out about to all this like fun stuff. But then I say, 
you know, I've gotten to do a lot of cool things over the last 15 years. I've been to two Super Bowls, one that we won, one that we won't talk about. I've been to six or seven Pro Bowls. I've traveled the entire world. Every single thing that I do makes me feel awesome. When I went skydiving, I felt awesome about it. But I would wake up the next day and I would feel empty. Because when I was taught how to be a mascot at Auburn, you're taught in order to be successful, you need to get two things. You need to get laughs and get applause. So that's what I was after. How can I make people laugh and how can I make people cheer for me? But every single time I did one of those two things, it made me feel good. But the next day I was empty again. So I kept chasing this over and over and over again. And then in 2010, I did an appearance request for Karen Rizzi. It was a Make-A-Wish request. And on that day, we already had eight appearances. But the person coordinating it said, hey, don't worry. Karen just wants a picture on the field with blue at Lucas Oil Stadium. It'll take five minutes. And I said, I can totally do that. So I got in costume that day down the stadium, came through the tunnel. I see this huge family on the field. There's two, two little boys, two little girls. And of the two little girls, I'm trying to figure out, all right, which one of these little girls is Karen? What I quickly <laughs> realized is that Karen is the mom of this family. Karen was in a wheelchair and she was battling cancer. And she chose her one wish to create the perfect day for her family. They were huge Colts fans. And she thought, man, if I can just get my family to the field, just for a couple hours, we can laugh and play and dance and throw footballs and it'll be a great time. And if we can get Blue to come down, man, that'll be the icing on the cake because every single time they drove past the stadium, her kids would point and say, hey, mom, that's where Blue lives. So what was supposed to be five hours ended up turning into two hours of me or what was supposed to be five minutes turning into two hours of me just hanging out with this family and doing all those things, laughing and dancing and throwing the football and taking pictures. And I show a picture to the high schoolers of that day. And after those two hours, they left the field and I waved goodbye. And something that happened during it, those two hours, there was not one moment of sadness. It was just pure joy. And I left the field that day and I waved goodbye. And something about that it just made me feel so amazing. But the next day when I woke up, I still felt amazing thinking about this family and the impact that they had made on me. And that just stayed with me for weeks. And then a couple months later, we're playing uh, the Titans at home. And there's a police officer on the field. And he said, hey, Blue, there's a woman up in like row 13 who's begging to see you. Can you go see her real quick? So I put down my T-shirt cannon, climb up the wall. I make my way up to about the sixth or seventh row. And she sees me. She's at the end of the row. And she gets up and she just starts slinging people out of her way to get to me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, what have I done to this person? I was like thinking of other appearances. I was like, do I know this person? What happened? She gets to the end of the row and she just wraps her arms around me and she just starts crying. And now I'm really confused. Here I am, a seven foot blue horse, hugging this five foot nothing woman who I've never met before. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like the one thought I had was no matter what happens next, don't let go of this hug. Don't let go until she lets go because she clearly needs to hug you right now. And after a few moments, she was able to speak and she said, hey, Blue, I know you don't know me. My name is Angie you do know my daughter Karen and a few months ago you did an appearance for her in our family and I just wanted to say thank you and I also wanted to let you know that just last week Karen lost her battle to cancer so I started crying so I'm holding on to her we're both crying and we're able to she's able to speak again and she said Blue I just wanted to say thank you and I just want you to know I'll never be able to repay you for what you gave my family that day and we spent a few more moments together and eventually I had to go back down to the field and finish the game. And I don't know if we won or lost that day, but I remember being in my locker room afterwards and thinking about that sweet family. And then I thought about what Karen's mom said to me. I'll never be able to repay you for what you gave my family. And I mean, like lightning, it hit me. The word gave. My entire career in order to be successful I was trying to get something. I was trying to get laughs and get applause, which meant I was trying to take something from you to make myself feel better, but it never worked. But the greatest thing I ever did was when I gave something, I gave this family an opportunity to smile. I gave them an opportunity to laugh. I gave them my time. So I decided right then in my locker room that from now on, instead of trying to get, I'm going to start to give. In order to be successful, I need to give. And based on the hug that I had with Karen's mom in the stands that day, I made like a little promise to myself that I thought was, it wasn't a big deal. But from now on, when I hug somebody as blue, I'm never going to let go first. Mm. 
just as a reminder of Karen and that family. And the crazy thing is like people wouldn't let go. I would have complete strangers hold on and then they would just start crying or they would start talking and say, Hey blue, thank you so much. I don't remember the last time I was hugged. I really needed this or Hey blue. I've had the worst day ever. Thank you for taking the time to show me that you care. And I would start to talk back breaking again, another mascot rule. And we would have these lovely conversations and this happened over and over and over until one day, one of my coworkers said, he saw it happen at an event at the complex. And he said afterwards, he goes, man, that's awesome. Wouldn't the world be better if everyone loved the way blue loves people? And I said, why do you think that is? And he said, it's easy. You get to love people like that because you're wearing a mask. You get to hide behind this mask all the time and people don't know who you are. And I'm like, bro, the only time I'm wearing a mask is when I'm outside of this. Because when I'm blue, I get to be the person I really want to be. I get to go up to complete strangers and high five them and hug them and tell them and show them that I love them. I don't do that as much as Trey. And then that hit me. It's like, why am I not doing that as me? So my wife and I started doing that more. We started telling people. We started hugging people when we first meet them. We started doing, uh, we do a, a Christmas thing. We provide Christmas for 12 families every Christmas uh, with other friends and family members. Um, it's not through the team. It's just through us and through our friends. Um, we actually have some blue ladies, which are the VIP women's club for the Colts who have become like family to us. And they are uh, one of the main contributors to that every single year. And it's just grown into this thing. And it's like, man, how do I continue to take this and, and continue to give it? So then I saw an opportunity for middle schools and high schools and said, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could, I could do this type of show, tell them this message about how the greatest thing I ever did was how I took off my mask, not a blue horse mask, but this mask that I was hiding behind because I was afraid of what people might think of me. And that's what happens. I tell people that all the time. Like my kids, all they want to do when they meet you is they want to know your name. They're going to tell you their name. They're going to color you a picture. They're going to sing you a song. My son, Gunner, is going to try to rap for you. They're going to dance with you. You guys are going to hug. You're going to walk away best friends. That was all of us at one point. So what happens? We start to change because fear enters our lives. That's my biggest worry as a parent is that one day Gunnar and Tegan are going to know what fear is and they're going to start to change. They're going to be afraid to connect with you. They're going to put on this mask and that mask can be a lot of different things. It can cover up a lot of things, different things too. We can hide behind social media. We can hide behind popularity, materialistic things, uh, our grades. We can let other things define us. The greatest thing that could possibly define you is being kind to somebody knowing somebody. The difference between sympathy and empathy is taking the time to pour into somebody and understanding what they're going through and having that conversation. And that can draw you closer to empathy. And empathy makes you want to do something about it. Empathy makes you want to change the world. And that's the greatest thing you can possibly do. And I know I kind of zigzagged in that whole thing. I try to condense, you know, a 35 minute program into, into four minutes. But um, yeah, that's the greatest thing that we've ever done. And you know, I challenge kids afterwards. I say, look, you have a platform. I have a platform. I'm a mascot. I'm using the platform to tell you this, this story. You have a platform. You have a platform in your classroom, in the hallways, at lunch, at your dining room table. If you're on a sports team, if you're in the band, if you're in the theater, you have a platform everywhere you go. You also have a story and your story has to be heard. It's so important. And it's great that your friends have heard your story, but an adult needs to hear your story because an adult can do something about it. An adult has the power to help you change your situation. And if you haven't told anybody your story, I'll be up here for the next 30 or 45 minutes while we're packing up. Come share it with me. And we're getting a line of 100 people afterwards. Mm -hmm. Students who were just completely stonewalled, this is dumb, I don't want to be a part of this, are now coming up in tears and saying all sorts of amazing things. Amazing things that like, hey, people don't know, about, <laughs> people don't know this about me, but something amazing. Or... People don't know this about me, but I'm struggling with this. And then we're able to help them connect with one of their counselors or teachers, somebody they trust in the school that doesn't know their story. And we're able to help connect that and actually help start the conversation, which can ultimately bring closure um, to them feeling bad and can make change in their life. There was, uh, I do the high school leadership conference every year for the state of Indiana and well, for the last four years. And this is the best of the best. It's all, it's high schoolers that are, incoming juniors and seniors. So they go to this leadership council, this leadership retreat, and then try to take those tools back to their school when school starts in the fall. So it was in June this past year, 
And I mean, if you ever want to like feel like you're a great public speaker, you go to this. They give you a standing ovation for five minutes. And you're like, I'm the greatest ever. <laughs> you actually go to a school and you're like, eh, maybe I'm not that great. <laughs> but uh, man, all these kids are like high-fiving you after and giving you hugs. And they're, you know, they're telling you like that we have to have this show. Because I do the same high school show. We have to have this show at my show, my school. Can you bring it? And that's where we get most of the bookings done. And there was this one young lady, and I'll never forget it. She was like seven or eight people deep in line, and she was in tears. And everybody else is in a good mood. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And I noticed she had our little pin on the backpack strap that she was wearing. We give a pin to every single person who's ever seen the show, student, faculty member, teacher, mom or dad, whomever. Mm -hmm. They get a little pin of the logo of the show. The, it's ultimately – it's taking – it's a mascot life, but then it morphs into – taking off your mask, which also morphs into choose love. So it's our choose love pin. Wow. So she was wearing this choose love pin. I was like, I haven't, I haven't given them out tonight. So she must've already seen the show. So she finally eventually makes her way up to me and she just starts bawling. I'm like, Oh my goodness, what is wrong? And I give her a hug and she's just sitting there crying. And when she was able to speak, she said, Hey, you came to my school this past fall. And she told me the school and I was like, oh my goodness, I remember being there and I remember where we ate afterwards in that small town and you guys were such a great audience. She was like, well, you tell everybody that they have a platform and they have a story. And what you don't know is that you really made an impact with my friend. You came on a Thursday and she was thinking about hurting herself and potentially taking her own life on Saturday. Mm. And when you said something that day, she wanted to come up and speak to you, but she wasn't able to because she didn't want other people to hear. So she went and sought out our counselor. And not only is she alive, but she's doing really well. And I just wanted to say thank you. That's my best friend. And again, man, if we did a thousand shows just to find that one human being, it was all worth it. Absolutely. I don't even have anything to say to that. I mean, honestly, that is so impactful in such a different way again man my hat's off to you for for thinking outside the box and taking it to the next level putting in the effort and uh and really digging down deep you know to hear you say you know uh choose love and things like that i mean mascots uh, as i as i've been interviewing and talking to all these guys and and getting to know them on different levels man uh Inevitably, it always comes down to the reasons why they do this is those moments, those times when you can yeah. really reach people and, and give. And I, I could totally relate with what you were saying about getting and getting and getting. Um, man, I'm, I, for years and years and years, man, I, I, was, a, you know, I was the class clown, the, yeah. you know, wanted the attention. And when I didn't get it, man, I'd, I'd hit rock bottom and I have had some low points in my life where, yeah. gosh, you're not in an off season, you know, just finding myself in depression, you know, that type right. of thing. Cause I'm not out in the community as much as, you know, I'm used to and getting the laughs and getting that charge. Yeah. Um, but uh, gosh, as I developed and I think hopefully matured, you know, in that sense, I, uh, you know, I can totally relate with that, that, that switch that goes off yeah. when you, you know, you're like, wait a second you know, I'm actually making more of an impact on other people than I think in a right. different way. Whoa, what's that feeling? You know, yeah. and, and all of a sudden it comes to light. You know, I've had several experiences where, um, you know, things that I never thought I'd hear would, would uh, come up or, or, or people would tell me, you know, hey, you affected my life this way or that way. And uh, my hat's off to you. I mean, that's bold too, to take everything off, come back out and, and speak to them. I think that is groundbreaking. I love that you don't take your head off and speak, you know, <clears throat> half right. in and half out. I right. mean, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. you know, so just really uh, want to give you props for that because, uh, you know, there's just the effect that you just had just on that one person. I mean, gosh, I can't even follow that up. So. Yeah, it's been, it's been, um, 
it's been a lot. And, you know, I think one of the things you just spoke about it, you know, telling your own experience with, um, you know, bad days and feelings that we don't know how to deal with. And when you listen to that many people who are going through a hard time and the, I mean, the stories of what these kids are going through is just unbelievable. But you also start to gain this awareness that, you know, I'm not alone in this feeling. Like when I have bad days or think like, you know, I can't, I can't go anymore. I don't have enough energy and I don't, I don't, you know, have enough uh, excitement or just have those down days. And you remember stories of what other people are going through or to hear you say as a mascot, when your season ends, you hit this kind of lull. I hit that lull. And to know that you just said that to me allows me to go next time that happens. Hey, I'm not in this alone. Ken felt Ken feels the same way I feel. Maybe I'll give him a call and cause he understands. And I think just opening that conversation and that conversation starter allows us to feel like we belong. And even if we all belong in this feeling of like, man, I'm having a rough day. Yeah, me too. To draw on that type of empathy and that type of support really helps get you through a lot. And um, I would just encourage anybody who's listening, who's having a rough day. Um, and hopefully some of the things today you've laughed at and hopefully some of the things have impacted you, but I encourage you to reach out to somebody because um, there are a lot of people that care about you that are around you and you don't even realize how many people that care about you. So just start talking and trying to open up. And if, if somebody doesn't make themselves available to listen, find somebody that does because your story deserves to be heard. You're important and you deserve that. I love it. I, I got, I'll tell you one thing real quick. Um, and then we'll wrap this up the other day, just on this note, uh, the other day, uh, my son calls me and he's like, I can't believe it. I said, what's up? He goes, you know, so-and-so from high school. Yeah. I said, from your wrestling team. He's like, yeah, he just took his own life. I'm like, wait, what? No, 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 not that guy. I mean, that, what? That guy? And uh, I said, he was always the high energy, happy-go-lucky, joking with everybody bringing everybody up to the next level, keeping everybody hyped. He was that guy. Yeah. I, in fact, I thought the guy couldn't take anything serious. I mean, I yeah. love that guy. He, was all, he always had a smile on, your face, on his face. And he always made not only his teammates, but everybody around him. And people could tell in the crowd without even knowing him that he had just a glow about him. That guy? Yeah. He, and, uh, he says he, he went to uh, his funeral. And, well, after his funeral, he said, you know, he goes, there were thousands of people there. I said, I said, let that be a lesson to you. I said, you will never know the impact you have on this world. And so, you know, know that. And I want to follow up with you with what you just said there. You, you don't know everybody else is going through. You know, you, people go through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff. And man, if you can just talk, if you can just start talking and, you know, this is the, yeah, I think this is the fourth suicide funeral that my son has attended since high school and he's 24. Wow. You know, anyways. You know, I hate to end on that. Uh, well, we gotta we gotta wrap this up, but you know, yeah. Trey, I gotta I gotta tell you, um, you know, I'm, I'm really really impressed with uh, you, your family, with uh, your approach to your profession, your drive to be the best, your drive to take things to a, an important level, not just the next level, mm -hmm. but an important level, a, ma a level that matters. And you know, a lot of us uh, mascots are in it just to, you know. Woohoo! Hype and go go go! But uh, you know, I, I I can really appreciate and I love love talking to you. I appreciate the fact that you shared that with us. So well, likewise, it means so much coming from you. I really appreciate that. You have no idea. Well, so. well, thank you so much. And uh, 
I'll let you get back to your day, get to your daughter's swing and That's hot right. chocolate. Hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, you're a pro. And, and uh, I hope, uh, I hope you'll agree to come back. And, oh, anytime. Uh, and you take right. care. You too. Appreciate you. Give all of our love to your family. Okay. All right, have a good one. You See too. You Thanks, man. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Giddy up. 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 I got horses in the back. Trunk in the back.